reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. A staggering number of people have died from opioid-related overdoses during the last several years. Prescription opioids, heroin, and illegally manufactured fentanyl are all involved. The opioid crisis hasn't spared the more vulnerable members of our society either. There's been a 225% increase in emergency room admissions for accidental prescription opioid ingestion by children just five years of age and younger. The toll on Americans is staggering, and addiction is a serious threat to our country's public health. There are multiple efforts underway to manage the opioid crisis. Some involve reducing opioid prescriptions, and others strive to expand the availability of Narcan, a life-saving treatment for overdose. The key to opioid addiction, or addiction to any other substance, is recovery. Eliminating the use of chronic opioids for pain also involves recovery. Paula, our first guest, was a working mom until she developed a chronic pain syndrome that led to opioid use and then addiction. Her life spiraled out of control, and she attempted suicide three times. She'll share her experience with opioid addiction and her path to regaining a life that she almost lost. Then Dr. Greg Hobelman, Chief Medical Officer of Ashley Addiction Treatment, shares his expertise on opioids, addiction, and the promise of recovery. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva Pharmaceuticals, Boston Scientific, Daiichi Sankyo, Ashley Addiction Treatment, and Emergent Biosolutions. Paula suffered from chronic pain and used opioids to treat it. Unfortunately, she lost control over use and developed the disease of addiction. Let's continue our discussion with her. Paula, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you so much. On our last show, we talked about the development of a chronic pain syndrome in your left foot, known as complex regional pain syndrome, the reason you began using and then abusing opioids, and how you ultimately lost control over use of the drugs. Tell us how your family responded to your addiction. Never once did they ever say, I think you need help. Even when I came home from rehab and I went and I stayed with my mother, I asked my kids to come with me to NA meetings just to hear, you know, when I spoke, to hear what I had gone through. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't come with me. And I'm like, okay, you know, I understand if you're not ready, that's fine. But families are involved in this with the addict, you know. I mean, they go through what we go through. Absolutely. In our previous show, in discussion with Dr. Hobelman, we talked about the transition from prescription opioid abuse to heroin and now to illicitly manufactured fentanyl abuse. Did you only use prescription opioids or did you get them from family, friends, or the street? Nope. Never had to go to the streets. Never had to go to family or friends. And I everything was always locked up. Everything was legal. Paula, you mentioned in our 
last show that you attempted suicide three times. Why? I hated the way I was living. I hated the way my foot was. I hated what the surgeries did to me. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be normal. Um, And I wasn't doing it to hurt my family. I was doing it because I just wanted the pain to be over. I couldn't take it anymore. Sure, I mean, I can see how grueling 18 years of chronic debilitating pain can become and why it made you want to end your life. But here's the good news. You didn't end your life, and you got into treatment. Tell us how. I called my mother, and I told her that I needed help. And she started singing happy birthday, and I asked her to please stop. And I said, we need to call my workers' comp adjuster, and I need to get into rehab, and I need to do it now. Mm -hmm. I realized that I was powerless and that if I did not get help, the opioids were going to kill me. Yes, I bet they would have. Did you begin the treatment process right away? Originally, they couldn't get me into Ashley for a week. So they sent me to detox in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I have like five days left in detox. They go... What do you think? You're going home? I said, yeah, I'm going home. They go, no, (laughs) you're going to Maryland for 35 days. I go, I'm going where? Okay. (laughs) So then all of a sudden I get to Ashley. Absolutely gorgeous, but I did not know what to expect. How did the treatment process begin once you entered the program? The counselor I had was like a drill sergeant, which was perfect for me Mm -hmm. because that's what I needed. You have where you work out in the gym and they have massage therapy and there's acupuncture, but there are smaller classes where you work with a counselor. There's cognitive behavioral therapists and then you work one-on-one with a regular therapist, but it's built directly for pain recovery patients. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it's tailor-made, really. Paula, were you off all opioids by the time you got to Ashley? By the time I was at Ashley, two more days, and I was completely off of everything. Well, and how about today, after you've completed the program, any withdrawal, any craving? I'm healthy now. I have no withdrawal systems, um, symptoms, sorry. I don't have nightmares anymore. I don't dream about it. It's good. I would say by week two, I was in remission from the RSD. Wow, it's surprising that your RSD resolved that quickly. But I'm glad you're doing so well today. Many patients would be afraid that once they stopped the opioid in treatment, that their pain would escalate out of control. What happened to you? I hit week two. Pain was gone completely. That's incredible. Uh, Paula, what did the program do to replace the opioids for your pain? They keep you busy. Not only your mind, but your body and your soul. And And then people hear that and they're like, oh, it's, you know, (laughs) it really does. If you have pain in your back, you have to keep active. If there's pain in your leg, you have to keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Pain in your arms, you have to keep, you have to use your body. You can't just let these limbs atrophy. And that's what happened to my leg. My leg had atrophied. So I started using it again. I mean, when I first got to Ashley, I was on two crutches. Mm -hmm. By the time I left, I walked out of there. I even carried my own luggage out of there. That's terrific to hear. Paula, was there a certain degree of emotional healing that occurred while you were in treatment? Yeah, I learned to love myself again. When I got there, I didn't really like the person I saw in the mirror. And when you left, how did you feel? You know, I'll be honest with you. Um, I started getting nervous a couple of days before I had to leave, and I actually said to them, I said, are you sure I have to leave? (laughs) I was scared about leaving because I felt safe there. Safe from what? I wasn't ready for the outside world because for me, I had the seven days and then the 35, so I was away from the outside world for 42 days. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a long time. Will you ever use opioids again? Probably not. I know that if I take one pill, I'm dead. I mean, if I get a little ache now, I take Tylenol. Well, what will happen if you need an opioid after surgery? 
What will you do? I'm not going to take them. I can't take them. I've already been told I may need another back surgery. And I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. If it happens, we'll see. But I, I can't take them because I'm an addict. I'm a recovering addict, as they like to say in NA. But you know what? In my head, I know I'm an addict. I mm-hmm. can't take another opioid. I can't do it. It will kill me. But you're in recovery now. So what is your perspective on providing opioids for patients with chronic pain? I have no problem with that. But as long as it's not done in such high quantities, Mm -hmm. it's done properly and it's managed properly. Sure. I mean, I agree. Uh, Paulo, today, what kind of things are you doing for yourself that have given you the chance to heal? Going for long walks. In the past seven months, I've traveled from... New Jersey to Indiana, Tennessee, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Kentucky, Ohio. I haven't done this much traveling in years. It must be like having a new life, given that for 18 years you suffered from chronic, very intense pain that left you in bed most of the day. Paula, are you still going to meetings like AA or NA? I'm still going to meetings all the time, you know, to ask for help. I'm in contact with people from Ashley still. Uh-huh. I mean, if I'm hurting, I don't have to sit there and, you know, like call a doctor up and say, you know, I'm in pain. Can you give me pills? You know, I sit and I write in my journal, you know, if I'm having a bad day. Are you still using any medications for your pain? Just the Topamax. You know, I get a little bit of burning in the leg, Mm -hmm. but that's okay because it's just showing that the nerves are regenerating in my leg. You know, it's not a burning where it's like that hot poker. It's just like, you know, a little bit of like electricity, but that's been going on in my leg for years. Uh, By the way, Topamax is an anticonvulsant that we sometimes use to treat nerve pain. You mentioned earlier that by week two in treatment at Ashley, you were in remission from complex regional pain syndrome. When I stopped the opioids, the pain just slowly disappeared. It's so weird. And I'm telling you, I used to get cellulitis in my leg. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I stopped the opioids, the cellulitis never came back. Wow. I mean, it's so crazy. My foot used to be huge. I was never able to wear a shoe. I used to have to wear like this huge house slipper on my foot. (laughs) Uh And now I'm back in like regular shoes again on my left foot and actually can walk on my foot. Congratulations. I mean, those results are really extraordinary and it may relate to potential immune suppression effects of the opioid. Uh, Paula, when should an addict or a family member of an addict consider addiction treatment? The sooner the better. Before it gets as bad as where I was. I mean, 18 years, that's a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to want it for themselves. Family members cannot force anyone because I've known several people that have been forced into it. Everyone that's been forced, they've all relapsed. It's such a tough predicament to be in for the family member, the friend, and the addict. I have a friend of mine who's, you know, she's hurting really bad right now. And I told her I'll be here for her when she's ready. She needs to come to me. I can't sit down and do an intervention with her because, number one, I don't know how to do that. And when she has to be the one ready, because I don't want to see her go halfway through a program and then relapse again. I don't either, and I hope she gets the help that she needs. In closing, what would you like to tell everybody about your experience at Ashley? It really does work. They're caring. It focuses on the patient. Mm -hmm. They work on you, and 
it's so hard to explain, but I went in there broken. And for me, I came out of there and I was whole again. It has got to be the best program out there. And I recommend it for anyone who's living in chronic pain. Well, Paula, we celebrate your recovery and wish you the very best in the future. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much. Straight ahead is Dr. Greg Hobelman, addiction psychiatrist and pain specialist. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva. Teva is committed to helping those suffering from migraine. Visit moretomigraine.com and like the Facebook page to stay informed, share your experience, and connect with others living with migraine. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo. And like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. We're here again with Dr. Greg Hobelman, addiction psychiatrist, pain specialist, and chief medical officer of Ashley Addiction Treatment. Welcome back, Greg. Thank you. Glad to be here. In part one, we talked about the opioid crisis, what the term addiction actually means, and the transition from prescription opioid abuse to heroin abuse, and now to the abuse of illicitly manufactured fentanyl. Dr. Hobelman, I want to go back to the CDC guideline. That guideline estimated 42,000 opioid-related deaths in 2016 and 47,000 in 2017. It seems like it's that number is intolerably high. The strategy has been to reduce the number of prescriptions, that is, reduce the supply of opioids in order to reduce the number of deaths. Is that the way to go? Well, I think it's part of the solution, and it's necessary. Prescribing opiates to people is going to continue, and it's necessary primarily for acute pain, but also in some cases for chronic pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, I think the cat's out of the bag. The much larger issue is the illicit opioids on the street, heroin, and of course, now fentanyl. And that's the problem that we really have to address. Yeah, that is a major problem now. You know, the CDC reports that the quantity of prescribed opioids has decreased since 2010, while opioid overdose deaths continue to rise. Yeah, so you can see when you cut a supply off, from a prescription, Mm -hmm. they're going to go to use an illicit substance. Those illicit substances are very, very dangerous, particularly since 2013, 2014, when fentanyl has been a major issue. And hence, we've seen an incredible increase in the incidence of uh, overdose death. We have, sadly, and what's contributed to that increase is that heroin has been laced with fentanyl, as we've discussed, as well as carfentanil, which is even more potent than fentanyl. Shouldn't we as physicians then stop prescribing opioids altogether. Right. It's it's not going to cut it. So we'll probably see a decrease in those who start on prescription opiates. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing that in our population. People who come in and say, nope, I've never touched an oxycodone in my life, but I started with fentanyl or I started with heroin. You know, Greg, in the United States, almost 450,000 Americans die from cigarette smoking every year and more than 80,000 die from excessive alcohol use. Tobacco and alcohol, which are legal drugs, seem to do much more damage to society globally than illegal drugs do. Those that we're talking about now, the illicit use of fentanyl, for example, or heroin. Therefore, I mean, do you feel like there's too much concern over opioid abuse? No, there's not too much concern. We are seeing a huge, steep increase in the rates of overdose death. Now, that has possibly made a change last year. But that number has risen so quickly that we absolutely have to pay a lot of attention to it. Doesn't mean that we should stop paying attention to alcohol and tobacco. Mm -hmm. We absolutely have to continue to treat them for people with those disorders and try to reduce the use there as well. And also we can talk about the increase in use of benzodiazepines, the increase in use of marijuana and Mm -hmm. so forth. We have to pay attention to all of it for sure. We do. 
You know, I've read that reducing prescription opioid use will likely lower mortality in the long term, which is positive, but will only decrease overdose deaths by 3 to 5% in the short term, which is very small. What about expanding the use of naloxone, for example, as a way to combat the opioid crisis? No question that the expansion of naloxone will save lives, and it has is having an effect. And the broadened availability of naloxone, I think, is key, at least in part, to reducing the number of opioid overdose deaths. What about the availability of medication-assisted treatments? Those are medications like methadone and suboxone. A- absolutely. They're very valuable, and they have proven effect on a number of levels. Um, they have been proven to decrease morbidity and mortality from all cause. Mm-hmm. They keep people engaged in treatment for a longer period. And these are the things that we know that will help people to get to a place of recovery, not only from their disease, but improve their overall life. Greg, what makes these medication-assisted treatments so effective? Is it that they reduce craving and withdrawal? Yes. So, first of all, they're going to avoid the withdrawal process, which is often uh, a large part in driving people to continue use. Mm -hmm. It's not the only reason, but it's a part of it. And then it reduces cravings, and cravings can occur throughout the day for many different reasons. So yes, we want to decrease those cravings. Let's switch gears for a second. Chronic pain affects one-third of Americans. That's an astounding 116 million people. Similar to addiction, I think most people wonder why those with pain can't just get over it. For those suffering and those treating it like ourselves, the story is very different, though. In your experience, what does chronic pain do to the body and the soul? Chronic pain is different. When somebody has persistent pain, they often go into a a very disabling cycle. So with persistent pain, often comes loss of function. Mm -hmm. That's followed by a lower perceived quality of life. And then with that actually comes a diminished capacity to tolerate the pain. The pain exists all the time and is there. And with that comes often a lost sense of self-efficacy, sometimes a feeling of victimization, very much the familial and social roles change, they become isolated, and then that results in a worsening of their emotional state. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that leads to worsening of the pain, lower function, and so forth, and that cycle continues. Not all of that happens in everybody, but the cycle that ultimately is very disabling for people. It, It is, and overwhelming. I've had several patients say, look, you know, I feel completely demoralized. I've lost the ability to work, socialize, exercise, activities, they once loved have been snatched away from them. Dr. Holman, does chronic pain put people at risk for addiction? It certainly can, yes. Just like somebody with any psychiatric comorbidity increases their vulnerability to developing a substance use disorder, mm-hmm. chronic pain does as well. Can we predict which patients will develop the disease of addiction, especially to opioids? We'll find out after the break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is brought to you by Narcan. Talk to your pharmacist today about a safety plan for your home. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Ashley Addiction Treatment, the leading addiction treatment provider, serving the unique needs of those suffering from chronic pain by placing a heavy emphasis on physical healing and offering a specialized team of nurses, doctors, counselors, and fitness instructors to empower and bring hope of a more fulfilling life. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Greg Hobelman, addiction psychiatrist, pain specialist, and chief medical officer of Ashley Addiction Treatment. Greg, how do we predict or how do we help mitigate against the risk of patients developing an opioid addiction? Well, there are screening tools that can be utilized and should be utilized by um, 
practitioners, pain practitioners, prior to starting people on chronic opioids. And then with that, there should be continued monitoring so that people can be identified early as having aberrant behavior. And so you want to treat that as quickly as it's seen. Mm -hmm. There's no question about it. And try to prevent people that have a large susceptibility or some vulnerabilities who may not want to start them on chronic opioids. For example, somebody with a history of a substance use disorder, whether that's an alcohol use disorder or uh, a stimulant use disorder, you have to be careful with those patients because they're more susceptible to developing an opiate use disorder. Very true. We talked earlier about some of the strategies for combating the opioid crisis. Now, your program treats patients with chronic pain as well as those with a substance use disorder. Talk to us about your program. In the program here at Ashley, we use cognitive behavioral therapy, both individual and group. We have an education process so that they understand what's going on with chronic pain, how they develop it, and again, get a better idea of this cycle of chronic pain. We follow that by physical modalities such as physical therapy, aqua therapy. We use massage, we use acupuncture, yoga, and then ultimately we also look for a medication regimen that is optimized. So we do not use minor mood-altering substances, but there are a variety of medications that can treat pain conditions that are not minor mood-altering and are tolerated well. Right. I think some of those that you're referring to are the antidepressants and the anticonvulsants, for example. You have two programs at Ashley. One is for chronic debilitating pain, and the other is for substance use disorder, right? Yes, we have substance use disorder treatment program here, in addition to a chronic pain program. What makes patients a candidate for your chronic pain program? So if their life has been negatively impacted because of their, their condition, they would be eligible for the program. Mm -hmm. And they have to be in the right mindset. They have to come and understand what the program entails. We do have expectations of them to participate, to understand, to wake up, to follow a routine. And when they're at that point, they're eligible to come in. Now, either way, whether they're in the addiction program or the chronic pain program, what are the goals? Improving quality of life improving their function. So what we want is for people to be able to do more, to have better emotional state, to develop a routine where they have some meaning. They, they reconnect with the identities that were, have been lost mm -hmm. because of the chronic pain or because of the substance use disorder. And Paula, our previous guest, conquered both chronic pain and addiction. Paula is a wonderful example of someone who left Ashley after that very short period of time of 35 days mm -hmm. and has continued the work. And through her continued work, she's been able to do incredibly well. Hey, Greg, how do you counter the fear that many patients probably have about going into withdrawal when they stop the opioid? We use medications to help ease the symptoms, but no matter what, it's an unpleasant experience. Yeah. But we do that in a safe environment with a lot of people around who understand what's going on. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of support. And we provide medications that attenuate those symptoms. So we decrease uh, the symptoms as they go through it. Now, in people with chronic pain, that's particularly difficult because their pain is worse for a period, mm -hmm. generally before it gets better, but it does get better. Exactly. It does get better. And what, what's the cost of the program? I mean, does insurance cover it? So the program is covered by insurance, mm -hmm. uh, much like treatment for substance use disorder, but that depends on the insurance that people have. We certainly talk to the insurance companies and so forth and trying to get the approval and so forth. Yeah. And there's often a cost on top for some of the ancillary services like the massage and acupuncture and so forth that are built into the program. Now, once a patient completes the program, assuming they've had an opioid use disorder, what do you recommend they do if they need opioids in the future, after surgery, for example? Well, first of all, they should make sure that all their providers are informed and what they're 
particular issues are. Now, there are going to be some cases where people do require opioids. That's okay. They're taking medication as prescribed for as short a period as needed and only when absolutely needed mm-hmm. can do perfectly well and get through that. They want to increase their recovery activities bring in support from family and friends to help them get through that period. That's an excellent and comprehensive list, Greg. Before we close, what's the message that you share with people about addiction and overcoming pain? Although recovery is difficult, it is infinitely possible. And a life that is following the principles of recovery is a truly wonderful life. I'm living that life right now. You know, eight years of recovery, and it's the best eight years I've ever had. Well said, and congratulations. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And you as well. And thank you all for listening. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Ty Ford. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.